Romans chapter 16, and we'll begin in about verse 27, where the writer says, To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Also flip over to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. In whom are all the in whom are all in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? In our hymn book, number 311 begins, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hands. Heavenly wisdom is far, far, far better than all of the wealth and stuff this world has to offer. That's how priceless, how important heavenly wisdom is. Let me talk with you for a few moments about wisdom and wisdom's first step. Wisdom's first step. You know, we really long for the time a child takes the first steps. And then we wonder why we long for it. We think about a couple beginning their life together. The first steps of two being one. We think about first steps. First steps into retirement. First steps into a new job. First steps. What is wisdom? Let me give you a very simple three-part definition of biblical wisdom. Are you listening? Real wisdom has to do with knowing God and His will revealed in Scripture. Real wisdom has to know with knowing God and His will as revealed in Scripture. A person will be lacking real wisdom who does not know the facts that God has revealed about Himself and His will in Scripture. Knowing the facts that God has revealed about Himself and His will in Scripture. Secondly, real wisdom is about understanding the facts that God has revealed about Himself and His will in Scripture. So, wisdom is about knowing God and His will... 
Wisdom is about understanding God's will and how he's revealed himself. But third, wisdom is about engaging our minds and hearts to respond to God in his will as a pattern in life. Real wisdom is about engaging our minds and hearts to respond to God and his will as a consistent pattern in our life. You know, some people know God. They know facts about God and they know facts about the Word. Some people have tremendous understanding of God and of Scripture. But far, far fewer people engage their minds and hearts to properly respond to God and translate well who He is and His will revealed in Scripture in our lives in a consistent way. Truly, that's the wisdom that's from above, James 3, 13 through 18. When we think about wisdom, a very wise person wrote in Proverbs 4 and verse 7, Get wisdom. Get insight. It is just that important. Get wisdom. Yet, as Christians, we kind of think about wisdom as the icing on the cake. We think about how after a lifetime of being Christians, we really can gain some wisdom. And that's true. That's true. We might think of James 1.5. If you lack wisdom, ask God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids, withholds not. But I want you to know that wisdom is not simply icing on the cake. Because let me ask you these questions. Do you need real wisdom for the biggest, most monumental decisions of your life? Do you need wisdom, real wisdom, for the daily decisions of your life? Do you find yourself needing wisdom? How about this? Do you find yourself needing wisdom, real wisdom, for the moment-by-moment decisions you make. I know I do. And what I want you to understand about wisdom is it is an ongoing process of knowing God and His will, facts about God and His will, understanding the facts about God and His will, and engaging our minds and hearts to properly respond to what we know and understand about God and His will. That's wisdom. First steps. What is the first step to real wisdom? If I would ask you this question, blank is the first step to real wisdom. How would you respond? Blank is the first step to real wisdom. I suspect that there are a number of ways that blank might be filled in and people could not object in any way to what you're saying. 
But I suspect if we let the Word of God answer, and especially the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, we probably would be doing very well. Don't you agree? Open your Bibles to Job. In Job chapter 28, hear the response from the book of Job. In Job 28, verse 12 and verse 20, the question is asked, Where is wisdom found? Where is wisdom found? Job 28, verse 12 and verse 20. Take a moment and look at verse 28 of Job 28. Hear what God's Word says. The fear of the Lord. There is wisdom. So if we would let Job, with his wisdom and patience, help us, the fear of the Lord is an absolute necessity to gaining wisdom. Now turn with me to another book. Turn to Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs. In Proverbs, look at Proverbs 9 and verse 10. And hear the wise man speak. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Catch that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding or insight. Well worth noting. Go with me to another book of wisdom. Part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Go with me to Ecclesiastes. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and consider verses 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13 and 14. Now this is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Fear the Lord. And keep His commandments. I ask you, doesn't that sound an awful lot like knowing God and His will? Understanding God and His will? And engaging our minds and hearts to properly respond to what we know and understand concerning God and His will? Absolutely. Now let's... Let's talk a little bit about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It is an expression found many times in the Bible. But people seem to not really understand it. Maybe it it evokes a sense of dread. But when we talk about the fear of the Lord, follow me now. 
Let me define fear of the Lord, just as we did wisdom. Fear of the Lord involves this. It involves a humble submission. When you read about it in the Bible, Old or New Testament, it involves a humble submission. Secondly, it involves awe. A-W-E. If a person wants to take first steps, if they want to take one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind as it concerns real wisdom, it will begin with the fear of the Lord. Humble submission, awe. Dependence. We depend on Him. We need Him. It is not so much that He depends or needs us, but we depend upon and need Him. And fourth, praise. And what I'm getting at, friends, is this. There's something so great and wondrous and holy and powerful about God that the only proper response is humble submission, awe, dependence, and praise. The only proper response is the fear of the Lord. It's said of the early church in Acts 9.31, they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I think that that's a very balanced view, don't you? They walked in the fear of the Lord, understanding His greatness, His holiness, and His power on the one hand, and yet being comforted in the Holy Spirit, who is great and powerful and holy too. Romans 3.18 speaks of people and says, There is no fear of the Lord in their eyes. You reckon that describes a lot of people today? And the two thieves that hanged on either side of Jesus when he was crucified... The penitent thief looks to the rebellious thief and asks him a penetrating question in Luke 23. He asks him, do you not fear God? We are here because we deserve it. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Let me show you how I can prove biblically That the fear of the Lord involves humble submission, awe, dependence, and praise concerning God and how He's revealed Himself. You ready? If you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Notice verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. This particular occurrence has to do with the miraculous catch of fish. 
Jesus is a carpenter by trade. Peter and others would come to find out that he's more than an adequate fisherman too. He tells them to cast out their nets and at least two boatloads of fish would come. They had fished a long time and caught nothing. Jesus tells them what to do and they have one of the best catches ever, it seems. What is Peter's response to this man who tells him where to cast his nets, when to put them down, and then when he does so, he finds that we have to have help getting the fish aboard. He falls at the knees of Jesus and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You're great and I'm ordinary. You're holy and I'm sinful. You're powerful and for the life of me I do not know how you did what you just did. The only response was humble submission. The only response was awe and dependence and praise. You see, the fear of the Lord will bring us to the knees of Jesus. It'll bring us to our knees at His feet. If you would, look at Luke chapter 7. Just a couple of chapters over, look at Luke chapter 7. The widow of Nain has lost her boy, has lost her son. He's died. Jesus is encountering a funeral procession. Most of you are aware of the story Jesus raises this man from the dead. And the response of the people is noted in Luke chapter 7, especially verses 14 and 16. There was great fear. What Jesus did was inexplicable. It showed something of His power, of His greatness. And the people were beside themselves. There is a place for fear in faith. More about that momentarily. Open your Bibles, if you would, to a third passage. Mark chapter 4, verses 39 through 41. Mark 4, 39 through 41. It's that miracle of Jesus calming the sea with just the words, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And it says that those with him, the apostles, greatly feared, and they were asking themselves, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey? You see, the only proper response to Christ in His greatness and power and holiness 
is humble submission, awe, dependence, and praise. Yet again, turn to Matthew 17 in your Bible. Matthew 17. It's a familiar passage too. And I give these as examples, and I can give many, many more. But in Matthew 17, it's the account of of the transfiguration. And there is Jesus with Moses and Elijah. And what a scene it is. And God speaks that this is my beloved Son. And when heaven speaks, and when something of God's greatness and glory and holiness are being observed, the only proper response is fear of the Lord. Look at Matthew 17, 6. Again, the idea of humble submission Again, the idea of awe, the idea of praise that we've been discussing. The first step to real wisdom is considering God and who He is and that God has spoken and that I want to respond to Him in a way that reflects my love and trust and honor and praise of who He is. Two questions now. Two questions about the fear of the Lord. And it's amazing this is such a biblical topic and it's so seldom discussed by way of sermons and classes. The fear of the Lord. What, why should we fear the Lord? And what are the benefits to fearing the Lord? Just as we have been doing, let's allow Scripture to answer those questions, okay? Why fear the Lord? Can I give you four responses from the Bible? Response number one. Jesus said to. Jesus commanded it. Case closed. Matthew 10, 28. Fear not him who is able to destroy the body, but unable to destroy the soul. But fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in judgment, in hell. Again, that's Matthew 10, 28. And here's the idea, here's the concept. When a person really fears God in a way that's healthy and good, he has no one else or nothing else to fear. But when a person fears someone else or something else, it may well be because we lack an appropriate and healthy Fear of the Lord. Secondly, turn.
turn in your Bible to Psalm 128.1. Why fear the Lord? Here's a pretty good reason why. Not only did Jesus command it, but blessing is promised to those who fear the Lord. Blessing is promised. Oh, oh, the reason to fear God is great. Jesus himself commanded it. God has promised blessing to those who do it. But third, we desperately need the wisdom that the fear of the Lord brings. We desperately need the the wisdom that the fear of the Lord helps bring. Look at Proverbs 1 7. Proverbs 1 7. It talks about, much like Proverbs 9.10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But Proverbs 1.7 says something by way of contrast. But fools despise knowledge and instruction. We don't need to act like a fool. We desperately need knowledge and wisdom and understanding from God. Only a fool would despise such. Number four. A future judgment is coming. Therefore... The fear of the Lord is a crucial part of our relationship with God, of our Christianity. Knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 2 Corinthians 5, 11, Because a judgment is coming where everyone gets to give an account of themselves. What I'm saying is, I understand that today is a day in which many people give gifts and presents. But the greatest gift giver of all is God, who gives us His Son and the opportunity for wisdom that will take us through this life into eternity. That lasts a whole lot longer than the best of presents or gifts. Amen. Amen. Now let's look at the second question. What are the benefits? You know, I know I'm talking to people that when you, when you talk with them about even a biblical subject, what, what will be the benefits uh, in, in doing this? In seeking God's wisdom, well, the Bible abounds in information that answers that question. First of all, turn in your Bible to Proverbs 22 and verse 4. What is the benefit of fearing the Lord? What's the benefit of fearing the Lord? According to Proverbs 22, 4, the benefits are riches, honor, and life. 
riches and honor and life. That's a benefit. But I want to put the benefit really where it ought to be. The benefit will concern God and your relationship with Him. Here's a second of seven that we're going to examine. Open your Bibles to Psalms, Psalms 25, 14. This book of praise and hymns, and think about this, how praise is a real response of a person who wants wisdom and who wants to walk in the fear of the Lord. Psalm 25, 14 says, God's friendship belongs to those who fear Him. Now, isn't that great? What kind of friend are you to God? The friendship of God will be with those who have a healthy respect, humble submission and awe, a dependence on Him, and a desire, a desire to properly respond. Third, open your Bibles to Psalm 31 verse 19. Psalm 31, 19. What does it say? What's the benefit of having a healthy fear of the Lord? Here it is. God's goodness. You know, I'm a little less concerned about riches and honor and life, but I'm really concerned that God is my friend. And I want to enjoy the goodness of God forever. Next. God's supply. If you're following along, this is number four. Open your Bibles to Psalm 34 and verse 9. Psalm 34 and verse 9. What's the benefit of really fearing the Lord? Those who fear the Lord will not lack. It sounds an awful lot like Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. Number five. God's salvation. God's salvation. Psalm 85, verse 9. Salvation comes to those who fear Him. In this healthy sense that we've been talking about throughout our study. Here's one I love. Open your Bibles to Psalm 103 and we could just camp here. And think about this concept of the fear of the Lord. And really, week after week could be developed to sermonizing and teaching Bible classes about the concept of the fear of the Lord. Did you know that wisdom is found at least 325 times in the Old Testament alone? Big time. Look, if you will, though, at Psalm 103. Notice verse 11 and verse 13. It'll be really worth thinking about. 
the loving kindness of God is given to whom? Psalm 103.11. The steadfast love of the Lord is given to whom? Those who fear Him. See it? And look at verse 13. God is compassionate to those who fear Him, who wisely take the steps of knowing and understanding and engaging their hearts and minds to practically apply the relationship with God and His will to our lives. One more passage. Go to Proverbs 9.10. I've referred to it before. But God's knowledge and understanding are available for those who want it. Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If I want more of God's knowledge and understanding in me, I seek wisdom which begins by having a proper attitude toward Him and His will. You've listened well. I thought about what might be one of the best gifts I could deliver as a proclaimer of God's Word. I think all of us as people need to think more about our relationship with God, don't you? I think we need to consider whether we're walking wisely or foolishly, don't you? And I am thinking about how in life we really have no one or nothing we need to fear when we have a healthy fear for our God. Isn't that a good thing to think about? Amen, church. How often we worry and are afraid of things and we do not have a healthy fear and response to God. If you're not a Christian, now is the time for you to make a healthy response to God. By trusting in Him, Jesus, as Savior and Lord, you turn from your sins in repentance and you want to respond properly to God and His will. You understand how important that is. You confess with your mouth the glorious truth, Jesus is the Son of God. And then you humbly submit yourself in dependence on God to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And at that point, our great God, our powerful God, has promised to remove our sins. What an amazing gift. And for those of us who are Christians, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get afraid. I wonder about the future. I worry. I guess there are things that none of us could anticipate or plan for that happen. Isn't that true? And yet all of us can anticipate and plan 
to walk wisely and to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Let us stand and sing.